that's probably the big shift that we're seeing in ResTech period is, is away from research is hard and expensive and big to research is iterative, fast, and simple. And once people start to really engage with that new framework, it's really exciting to see where they take their businesses. My guest today on AW360 is Patrick Comer, founder and chief executive officer at Lucid. Lucid is the global leader in enterprise marketplaces for sampling, as well as one of the most successful startups in New Orleans. Patrick, welcome to the show. Tell me a little bit more about Lucid and what you guys do. Yeah, so uh, you know, Lucid is a leading ResTech company, and we built the first and now the largest marketplace for the buying and selling and engagement of survey responses. And out of that capability, we've also built a, a massive measurement capability so that we can help our media customers you know, really have questions around brand lift or brand effectiveness. Our platforms allow them to get the scale uh, on a global basis to really dig deep into campaigns and learn more about how effective they're, they're being with their advertising. And if I'm not mistaken, you actually are responsible for coining the term res tech. Is that right? Uh, for better or worse. And I think better. Yes, that is the case. <laughs> and and what, what was the genesis of that? Well, honestly, I've been in the, the research world for about 20 years and as that space has become more tech-focused, and I think a good advertising word would be programmatic, mm -hmm. that two things have occurred. One, it's been harder to explain what we do to most people. But importantly, we've seen other industries and other ecosystems gain a lot of value about focusing on the technology, focusing on the digital transformation that's occurring in those environments. A good example, of course, is ad tech or martech or even fintech. And so we needed a platform that we could focus not only whether that's an investor or a future employee, but really just highlight the success that technology firms are having in and around research to transform and change that industry. So ResTech is all about the fast growing, exciting new digital companies that are really elevating and changing the way everyone can really engage with anything from a survey to an insight. Well, as somebody who is a huge fan of both surveys and just data in general, this is yeah. a, of massive interest to me. My, my problem, of course, is, is that I'm not involved in that field. But if you can't take me through how the platform works. So let's say I'm looking to measure the, the effectiveness of a, of a particular campaign. How do I then take that to you, ask the question, and then where, where do you guys go from there? Well, we've tried to make um, measuring a campaign, say, effectiveness really, really simple and extraordinarily scalable. So we have a, a platform, a, a user interface, where you can literally upload all of your links and all the necessary components so that we can help track uh, a given campaign. And then what is amazing about our platform is the results come in in real time. So as soon as you've launched your campaign, you can very quickly see how different demographics are engaging with or impacted by the campaign itself. So it's a very simple interface and allows you to drill down to things like 
which of my publishers or which of these sites is performing best with my core demographics or which demographics are actually engaging with my campaign to begin with. I thought I was trying to um, have a have a campaign that's dedicated to young women. And for some reason, the current uh, process is engaging more with young men. So do I need to change the way I'm spending and rolling out my campaign across uh, exchanges or platforms to really target the audience that needs to hear this message? And the key thing that we really brought to the table was one, that real-time response to what's happening in, in, in the campaign and field, but also really the scalability. You know, historically, it was kind of hard and slow uh, to do media measurement or media, uh, you know, campaign effectiveness. It took weeks to or even months to get an answer. And it was really only the largest projects and the largest campaigns that were worth engaging with because, honestly, the sample size was small. Well, we've brought a scale so that you can run small campaigns. You can really dig deep. You can get answers quickly. And then there's that global aspect as more and more customers don't just want to see what's happening in the U.S. They want to understand all their markets, whether it's a significant and larger market like the U.K., but a lot of our customers are now thinking about Southeast Asia, whether it's in Malaysia or Philippines, et cetera. So it's a global capability, which is really exciting a lot of our customers as well. And what challenges has that posed? I mean, you know, obviously operating in different countries that are English speaking is one thing. Operating in different countries with, you know, different language concerns, different privacy sort of uh, regulations. That's that's got to pose some challenges for you guys. Well, one thing that is interesting about the research industry is that we've been held to a higher standard of privacy than a lot of other industries, meaning that none of our data that we can collect can be used for marketing or advertising purposes. And what that means is that out of the gate, we've always been a consent first industry. We've always been in the what I would call ethically sourcing of data and so that the users know that the data they're giving is being used for these research purposes. So as things like GDPR and, and other regulatory regimes come into play, whether that's California or any other country, it's been a part of our standard process to make sure that we're abiding by those, uh, those standards. And we actually provide kind of a consent platform to our customers because they know that in any language, in any country, we're collecting consent out of the gate and we're abiding by those local regulatory you know, requirements to make sure that any data that we collect is really on the ethically sourced and regulatory side of the equation. You know, going back a little bit, you mentioned that, you know, these types of results used to take months to, to receive. How hard has it been for agencies working with you to all of a sudden have real-time access to this data and then adjust accordingly? Was, is, is that kind of a surprising thing for them? I, I, I completely understand how it's a distinct advantage for them, but you know, obviously they're used to a world or were at one point used to a world where these things took you know, days, weeks, or months versus minutes or hours. Um, what sort of response have you seen in terms of you know, the capability to sort of analyze the data, turn right around and adjust you know, sort of on the fly, as it were? And you ask a great question because it's one thing to think you want to know the answer. It's another thing to activate on the answer as it comes in. <laughs> I'll bet. Right? And there, there are two major surprises that come out of it. One is a lot of our agency customers have spent a lot of time building targeting for audiences. 
whether that's a, a lookalike model, first-party data, uh, third-party data sets that are purchased. And the first insight that really comes through with a lot of our customers is that they need to improve their targeting because, as I suggested before, if you're targeting young women and you realize that that's not reaching the audience you want, two questions come up. Uh, why are we not reaching the audience we think we bought or we think we created? And then how do we go about changing it? So that's literally the first kind of challenge is really understanding in real time the quality of the of the targeting mm-hmm. and really doing some data or audience validation around that. The other thing that comes up pretty quickly is I now want to change my purchasing, how I've rolled out my campaign now that I see some results. And that's not usually the uh, mode of a lot of our agency partners. It's sometimes it's a set it and forget it mentality. And so creating this new behavior of I've uh, started my campaign, I can see which outlets are performing, which publishers, which platforms are creating the most value in terms of whether it's you know, effectiveness or brand lift, but also even reaching the target to begin with and adjusting those on the fly and seeing how things change from there. That's a new behavior. That's a new capability. Eventually, our customers say, I now want to integrate that into my actual platform for campaign management so that those results of effectiveness and how the campaign is being perceived by my target audience, I can now adjust in the platform that I'm actually using to purchase media in the first place. So there's this kind of understanding and process of enlightenment that occurs. And then really, I think most of our our partners want to create less work, not more. And so direct integration into their primary platform starts to make sense. You know, this is why, for example, we've uh, done such integration work with, for example, the Trade Desk because our customers want to use the trade desk to obviously manage their campaigns and do that work, but also be able to see the effectiveness, see the measurement, and then make adjustments as they see fit. And I see more and more integrations into the platforms that our customers use as a real uh, push that we've been making over the next couple of quarters. And to date, how many platforms are you guys you know, working with? Now, broadly speaking, it's in the hundreds um, mm-hmm. because we're we're directly integrated into most every single data collection platform you could think of, everything from a SurveyMonkey to Qualtrics uh, to a huge supply chain uh, around having users or respondents be able to engage into these surveys. On the media side, you know, we have growing number of integrations, um, probably in the multiple dozens. You know, some of the key things that have happened more recently is integrations on the just the data side, like a Samba TV, so that our customers can engage with connected TV um, uh, directly with our platform. So uh, it's a big investment for us as we continue to move through our queue of integrations. It's not that we don't have a lot of integrations to do. There's a whole queue. And um, honestly, moving through that quickly is one of our, our, our key strategic points right now. The, the integrated... The- Integration into television is, is a pretty fascinating thing. I mean, right now in 2021, I, and I think as a result of both technology just pro- progressing as it, as it does, and because of quarantine and everybody being stuck in their house, streaming TV has been a huge topic for us, you know, just that we've seen over the past year. How does that really work? I mean, if, if I'm a sort of a end consumer and, and somebody's targeting me with, you know, your, your platform, how does that come through? Say I'm watching Samba TV what does that look like to, to the end user? 
Well, most of the time, you know, we're engaging with the user in a distinct moment that's outside of their actual entertainment, you know, viewing behavior. So mm-hmm. you have a household that is um, has, a, you know, Samba TV connected and they're watching whatever, you know, various TV shows and commercials and, and et cetera. And we then have an integration such that we know which users that are coming through our global network of survey respondents um, have seen which shows and are connected to that data set within Samba. So we can actually pick them out of our of our overall size of customers mm-hmm. and say this this particular user either saw the creative, saw the ad, um, or is the right type of household for this particular survey. So the so that Samba TV user specifically isn't at home watching TV. It's actually later when they're on their phone, for example, or when they're at their laptop or computer, when they're looking for something to do and a survey opportunity is presented to them. And so they don't even know that it's necessarily about anything with TV when they start the process. Interesting. And and because of that and because hypothetically I've, well, as a hypothetical customer, I've opted in then there, there is no privacy issue there to speak of then. There's no privacy. Obviously, all those customers are already opt-in to uh, the data collection. And when they start a survey with us, we reconsent right there and make sure that that mm-hmm. user knows that we're going to run a survey and that survey is for market research purposes only. Um, we can't use that data to resell or remarket to them in any way, shape, or form. Uh, but it's it's happening at a, a different moment than the actual um, viewing of the the advertisement or the the media itself. So we separate those two things out so that we're reducing the bias because if you do it at the same time, that can create a very different bias to the data. And if a user knows that they're walking into a survey about a particular thing, it could also bias the outcome. So we create more of a random, more of a anonymous process. And that creates a richer, more uh, just a better quality data set. So you guys tout that you have north of 400 million unique respondents, which is a lot of people, <laughs> to say the least. Uh, indeed, it, and and the vast majority are out of the U.S. So we have a, a significant portion of the U.S. population. Uh, yeah, it's almost the entire United States at mm-hmm. that point. Um, of those people, how often are they, you know, responding to surveys? That's, that's a fantastic question. And the reality is I haven't looked at this data set in a while. So if I think back a few years ago, like the average user was taking maybe one survey a year. Because if you think about it, how often do most of us actually intentionally take a survey? Now, that being said, there's some users who uh, like to take surveys more often. And they, so you may see them take a survey uh, a month, a day, a week. There, or there are some more active users. And there's some more passive users that take it once a year, once every couple of years. The key is to get a good combination of both. Mm-hmm. And also to integrate the survey experience into normal activities. So what's happened in the survey space over the past couple of years is that more and more of them are integrated into mobile experiences. A good example would be uh, all of us have different games that we play on our phones. And every now and then those phone, those games need or you may want to buy the thing or you need more gold, jewels or whatever it may be to buy the, the armor or the town or whatever. And instead of, you know, paying with the credit card for more digital currency, you can take a survey right then and there to create the opportunity. 
And so that creates a more natural process um, that's embedded in what people are doing in their free time to begin with. Amazing. And so let's say I am a new client of yours. Okay. And I, and I come in and I want to know the effectiveness of a campaign, but I think right out of the gate, I want all the data, which I think, you know, most of us who have kind of been on, on both sides of it realize that, you know, you may want to take, I I refer to them as baby steps, small steps, you know, what have you, what sort of process do you guys have in place to kind of guide new clients in, in terms of using the platform and, really getting what they need out of it rather than just going, you know, all in and saying, give me everything. And then, you know, presumably coming out the other end of it going, okay, now I have too much data. That's a great question. I mean, one of the things that, that Lucid uh, really talks about is our, our, our customer success teams. And so specifically in our measurement business, uh, those teams are, are incredible because we recognize that we're, changing some of the behavior on the agency side or the, or the, or the media side in terms of how they approach data collection and, and the speed of it and the scale of it. And you're absolutely right that left to our own devices, we may set up the wrong thing. And so it's been important to us to templatize and to standardize a lot of this data collection so that we're not reinventing the wheel or creating too many um, uh, you know, challenges in the data collection. The same is true also in the the data, the visualization. Most of our customers want to see which um, of the sites are performing better, which of the campaigns are performing better, and making that a visualization kind of cuts out the need to dig into all the data. Now, of course, there are customers, no doubt, who want to dig into the data, and those are the ones that are you know have a lot of facility with those you know with those data tools, whether that's you know Excel or something else. But a lot of our customers really love the visualization because that's the level of inquiry they have out of the gate. So a, a successful customer engagement is really helping them on the path to more scale and more speed and more clarity on their audiences, but also being there to hold their hand from a customer success standpoint when it's required both on the, the front end, but also, you know, as it were in the back end when the data is particularly available in their hands. Patrick Comer, thanks for being on the show today. For more information about Lucid, be sure to visit their website at www.luc.id. AW360 is a production of Advertising Week, the world's premier content and events destination for the advertising, marketing, and technology industries. For more content like this, visit advertisingweek.com.